Well, good afternoon. Captain's table's aboard, and uh, I'm very excited to have a, a good friend and a local legend, a bit like the captain's table people are, Becky Speaker. Welcome to the captain's table. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure to be here as always, and a pleasure to see you. Long time since I've seen you, so it's uh, always good to uh, to catch up with you. Well, that's right, and um, no, I, you you have also been on on my list of people to track down, and thank you for making the time to to come on the show to talk about what we're going to talk about, which is basically local legends like yourself that have been in the been in the area for a long time in different industries, and uh, so today we're just going to have a little chat about your arrival. Dubai, etc., etc. So, um, sure. take, a, take a deep breath and just okay. relax. And yeah. I, I must admit, you, I will go to the but You're wearing a nice shirt there today. Are you supporting any particular team? <laughs> well, today's quite today. I should say last night was a fantastic uh, event that took place. So uh, I'm not sure about it's coming home, but it's uh, certainly coming Rome with a bit of luck ah, uh, on Sunday. So uh, yeah, Italy won the uh, the penalty shootout with Spain in the semi final of the Euros. Uh, as I think you'll find out, my uh, my heritage is. Italian, so uh, yeah, very proud actually, very very proud. So uh, fantastic, and uh, that's uh, that's why I'm wearing the old. Uh, well, it's a combo actually, DHL and uh, and Italy. So yeah, uh, my colleagues good. in Italy sent it to me. So that's very good. Yeah, so um, what I'd like to do is is I know you as Becky from Dubai, yeah. pretty much where it is. I want to go back to the start sure. and how you how you arrived here. Okay. Can you give us a bit of an introduction on young, young Mr. Speaker? Yeah, sure. So, um, where do I start? So, uh, parents are uh, both from Italy. My mother's from a place called Avellino near Naples. Uh, Tony Soprano was uh, originally from there, so that's that claim to fame. Uh, my father's from a, a beautiful island called Sardinia. So, if nobody's ever been there, there's a, there's a plug for Sardinia. It's actually a fantastic place to go to. So, um, they both moved to the UK in the early 60s, met, married, and, uh, and then subsequently, uh, I'm, I'm one of three. Three, one of three kids, the oldest one of uh, those uh, of my parents. So, um, yeah, I was born and raised in a in a fantastic place for me, but I'm not so sure. It's actually voted the worst place to live in the UK called Luton. Um, so I'm a son and a prodigy of Luton, um, and I'm a big fan of Luton Town as well. So we're talking football and, and away you go. Good. Not, man, not, not many fans there in the ground, but there's a few scattered around the world. So, uh, yeah, Luton, I grew up, very happy childhood, um, typically uh, typical Italian, lots of family, lots of events lots of barbecues christening weddings and so on and so forth and uh, yeah um, I grew up there worked there and really I did a lot of part-time jobs uh, paper rounds and such I worked in an off-license worked in in an electrical shop at a weekend and then really my my first job full-time was and this is actually quite ironic to be honest with you because it's sort of a back to the future but it was it was flying on a, on a plane um, doing customs paperwork before the uh, before the common market or the yeah. EU uh, in essence the economic union sort of took took place so if you go if you fast forward today you've got Brexit yeah. it's really in essence what what the guys in the UK have to do again is do entries for material for Brexit so uh, you know I think if, uh, if ever I uh, if I do leave here, I've got a job waiting for me back in the UK. To be fair, because it's you know it was my yeah I was a customs clearance clerk. Um, so yeah, with a fantastic call, a company called XP mm-hmm. um, in in the logistics and um, express parcel business, and um, yeah, and that was pretty much uh, my early days. And then you know, and from Luton, uh, then I started sort of branching out uh, 
elsewhere. But yeah, but a very happy childhood and um, a very, very, uh, very nice place to live. And uh, uh, although not so much these days, so uh, there you go. And that's not much I can say. Big plug for Luton Town, though. Anybody? There? <laughs> there no, we have some. We, Ted, we have some supporters from Luton Town, don't we? On the ground. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. 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 No, no, we don't. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll tell us if not anyway. But so, so XP Logistics was a DHL. UK after that, or no, so uh, XP, which was a great, uh, very customer-centric company, uh, Dutch actually, to be fair, and um, they got uh, after uh, I was with them for about six years. Um, sadly, they uh, very, very, very customer-centric. Everything they did, it met to the point where probably they, they 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 made little profit because they spent more on on sort of development and infrastructure rather than you know worrying about profits, but to serve the customer. And um, after about six years, they needed to expand and get a lot of slots in uh, in southern. Holland, the main hub was a place called Maastricht, mm-hmm. and um, and sadly they couldn't get it. So uh, what happened was uh, the uh, the parent, which was uh, mostly KLM, uh, had the majority share in a company called Vendex, sold them to TNT. Okay. So uh, TNT uh, swallowed them up, um, and um, you know that was that was also a big learning curve. And um, I happened to be I was uh, after a couple of years uh, with uh, with the group there, I got uh, I got asked to um, join FedEx. Would you believe? So uh, okay. I did uh, I did. A couple of years with uh, with FedEx in central London. and what are we talking here? We're talking early nineties. Uh, we're talking late eighties, uh, actually, yeah. to be fair. So uh, yeah, a couple of couple, so a couple of years with. Uh, and when when I left TNT, I actually a lot of guys came and joined with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left a bit of a, I'm not sure if it's a good taste or a bad taste with with TNT. So um, they asked me to come back after about uh, after about two years. Yeah. So I joined them, uh, and then after uh, after literally a year that I was back with TNT, they asked me to um, to go work for them in Italy. Right. So I did. Uh, I did a lot of um, opening and closing of. Uh, I think it was. Uh, you call it sort of. You know, um, making your mark as such. To be fair. So I, yeah. So I went back to um, repatriated as such. To be fair to my roots, and mm-hmm. uh, off we went to uh, to Italy. Uh, up in Piemonte, Turin, Turin, Geneva, and another, I'm just fantastic in, in many ways, certainly from a personal perspective. And uh, I spent um, three happy years with uh, with TNT, and then uh, and DHL came calling, and I've been with DHL now 29 years. So, so if, you, if you do the maths, it's uh, there, there you go. But it was DHL Italy to start off with? Yes, it was. It was in 1992, I think my maths works right now, to, to be fair. So that's when yeah. I joined... Uh, 29 I, years 29 ago. 29 years ago, yeah. I, joined, uh, I joined DHL in a place called Bologna. Yes. Uh, and then subsequently did um, open, closed a number of hubs and uh, different places. <laughs> Sounds very, uh, very... Uh, not Florence, uh, yeah. Pisa, Venice, Verona, um, Emilia-Romagna, lots of different four leads. So there was a lot of... Yeah, it was just a good good development, um, and I did a couple of years there, and then um, a, a lady from the UK came calling, heard my name, and, and said, look, would you like to come back to the UK? We've got a big job for you in East Midlands if you'd like to come, but I'd like to interview you first. So she came to Bologna. She said, yeah. I don't want to see you. Uh, I, don't want to see, I would like to see you in your, uh, um, in your workplace with your work colleagues. Now, I used to look after these places as I just mentioned, Verona, Pisa, Venice, all this stuff. So um, she said, I'd like to see you in all these places with your team. So uh, I, anyway, it ended up a shopping trip yeah. rather than an interview yeah. to us with you. <laughs> Sightseeing tour, you know. So, uh, and, um, and I went back to East Midlands um, after, 
after we'd had, uh, literally we had the, uh, the third of our children. Um, yeah. All three were born in the UK. Um, and uh, off I went to, uh, to East Midlands for um, five, five years, I think, just five and a half years yeah. before, I, before I came to the Middle East. Right, okay. So East Midlands, and then, and then how, did the, how did the Middle East connection come in? So, um, rather ironic names, and I think you'll know some of the individuals at play here because you're an ex-DHL yourself, right, to be fair. So, uh, the regional director was a, uh, a bit of a DHL legend, a gentleman called Phil Coochman, and um, mm-hmm. Phil uh, was looking for some people to come and work in the Middle East because it was expanding and growing. Um, so, he sent uh, one of his envoys, um, a certain gentleman called John Pearson, um, mm-hmm. so, who happens to be the global CEO right now. Um, he asked me to come to, uh, to go and have an interview with him uh, down at the Dorchester in London, uh, and off I went at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, to be told he, you know, he wasn't ready, can you come back at 8? To be told he wasn't ready to come back at 10, to, can I come back a bit later? Anyway, they, after uh, I had a long chat with John, John said, yeah, we've got, we've got a few vacancies in the Middle East, we yeah. think you could fit, fit you know, yeah. uh, in one of those. Um, we had a long chat and, uh, and a couple of months later it, it progressed and that was in, uh, in mid-2000. So in uh, yeah, 2000, uh, dead on, after the millennium. Um, I popped down here with the wife and the three kids, yes. and that was it. So um, yeah, been here, been here ever since, James. So yeah, so okay, two thousand, where you Dubai was just probably on the cusp of of exploding into the property boom to where it was. So what was it like? What was the infrastructure like <laughs> at that time? Tell me about your first day. Uh, the, fir- oh, the first day, first day in the Middle East, or, or first day in Dubai, because I I, I landed here, um, and uh, I think I remember it right quite clearly. It was Golden Golden Sands Ten, so right. it was over in Bird Dubai, yeah. right? and um, actually. Let me take a slight step back because the day that we were due to fly here in the UK, you needed a, you, you, you needed the, the visa for the kids, and the kids have got had Italian passports, not British passports, right? So two of them weren't allowed on the plane. Uh, so I had to stay behind with two of the kids while my wife flew with one of the children who actually happened to have the British passport that was allowed in the country. Anyway, I, I caught a later flight running around trying to sort a visa in the, U, in the UK and all the rest of it. So I, I landed later than I anticipated there was a um, a football final I think it was Euro talking about the Euro ironically <laughs> um, Italy were playing France in the in, in the final and um and there was, just as, we, just as I got here, there was some fire scare at the Golden Sands 10. Right. So I missed the whole game. So that was, that was when I, <laughs> and that was, yeah, back in uh, July, like July to something or other in, in, in 2000. So that was my first day in Dubai, to be fair. Um, but generally, it was, it was just a very sweet, uh, lovely, because it would have it's been a big town. It was a big town. I think that's the only yeah. way I could describe it. It was a very but, but even then, two thousand, it would have been all down that end, so to speak. Of there wouldn't yeah. have been the epicenter was epicenter. all. Um, I think you'll say between Bird Dubai. Yeah. Um, what can I think? What else can I say? Was uh, you know uh, Bird yeah Bird Dubai city centre yeah. yeah Karama for sure absolutely yeah. that was like you know definitely a destination now and the family all settled in schooling. Well, I took John's places. So John, right. so the global term, John, you know, he's, he had three kids at Jebel Ali, um, and uh, literally, when you drove down a Sheikh Zayed Road, there was there was there was Nothing. the four hotels, the yeah. Hard Rock Cafe, yeah. 
and, um, and yeah, the golf course was there, yeah. and, and that was it. In fact, I remember my wife saying, you know, you, you, I'd already booked the kids' places, yeah. and she said, well, what are you taking them to? They're, this is in the middle of the desert here, right? <laughs> Jibble Alley is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was, you know, there was nothing breaking the yeah, sand sure. or the road, even sure. example. So it was, uh, but um, yeah, and and there was, a, I mean, Um Sakim, Jamira was more the coffee shops that you had there, and Spinney's, which yeah. is obviously still there now, but you know, places like that. And uh, but it was very, it was very friendly, very familiar. Um, very informal, you know. You would go out, you would see people you would know, and 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 it was it was, it was a very yeah a very very nice atmosphere. In fact, my wife longs for those days. I think to be honest with you, more so than these days. But that's a different matter. It's a different matter. It was, it was a it was a different time. How did you? What was the biggest um, changes in the workplace? Obviously, you, you'd spent six or seven years pretty much Europe, and then suddenly in the Middle East. What? How did? How was the major changes? I, I think what what. Okay, so I mean, I think you've had sort of different periods of development. So that yeah. sort of 2000 to 2003 or four was um, very entrepreneurial. Very, still, you know, a throwback, I think, from the older days where, yeah. where, where things were sort of growing and they were growing in a sort of um, a chaotic, if I can say, put it that yeah. way. Growth was growth and, and I'm not saying nobody was strategic or, or, or planned, but there was just growth that came through the door to a certain yeah. degree. I'm not just talking about our industry in general, right? Yeah. Whether it's Jebel Ali Port or whether it was, you know, or whether it was, um, you know, I don't know, Alquaz or whatever it happened to be, whatever industry you happened to be in the service industry, the hotels, there's yeah. hardly anybody there. Then I think really from the property boom around 2004 onwards, yeah. you started seeing everything sort of growing but in a more mature way a structured way mm. you know between how you sold property you saw Emirates Airlines yep. and, and, and Etihad where you work obviously mm. uh, grow substantially more tourist uh, yeah but with it came I think a lot more I'm not saying everybody was there was, there was not unprofessionalism there was just more maturing of all right. the markets so therefore you started to see this sort of um, structure uh, discipline mm. and uh, more formal activity growing and with it grew more communities that yeah. uh, were, were not there before to be honest with you so yeah and then and then after that I would say then after 2010 was a completely different yeah. type of evolution and it, it was it was I, I, I city actually I mean you, you look at you look at 2004 potentially through to even 2008, 2008, it just went through. It was it was like hyper zone. Hyper, it was hyper, hyper yeah. in every way. You know, yeah. I'm uh, hyper tourism. Yeah. Uh, you know, hyper <laughs> hyper real estate. Mm. Um, you know, hi, just uh, hyper industry. There was uh, trade. Uh, literally, every every angle of every uh, of, uh, almost every corner of the world was starting to be covered one way, shape, form, or another. To be fair, it was it wasn't out of reach actually. To be fair, and then you started to see big events come mm. here. Huge events that really put not just Dubai but the yeah. UAE actually the Middle East on the map I would, I'd actually say that because I'm, I think I've, I've got one foot in, in, in the UAE but I've actually got well, one big foot outside I was well, going to so. touch on that so you did you did a was it three or four years Dubai Dubai centric and then moved on from a from a Middle East operation <laughs> I was lucky actually. After six months of being in yeah. the U in, in the UAE, I was given a dual role to ca to actually manage the Middle East, right? Mm. So, so I mean, my role is obviously managing uh, operations for DHL across across the uh, across the whole of the Middle East, North Africa. Yeah. So, nineteen countries. We, we weren't quite nineteen countries at the beginning, but um, we were certainly a um, uh, yeah, we were smaller in terms of the countries that we covered. But they, but I was given the you know the. Uh, responsibility to mm. develop those other countries yeah. um, and and they were all at different levels I mean really you know I think you were in Saudi Arabia yeah. in those days uh, so 
you know, Saudi is probably, I would say, along with the UAE, a little bit more avant-garde than, mm. than other locations. So the, 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 obviously the challenge was to bring them up to, to, a certain, um, to a certain level equal to those other countries. So, but yeah, I mean, look, the, 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 the Middle East is, is, is a beautiful place with a lot of, lot of great people in it, to be honest with you. Very friendly yeah. and just different cultures. So whereas the UAE is very commercial, I would say, yeah. you'd find a rural place like you know, Yemen or uh, Iraq or... I was, I was, um, I was gonna, you know, I wanted to touch on that. Um, I'm sure there's been some great stories, but is there anything that comes to mind of a, of a, a particular meeting or something that sort of went, I'm not in Kansas anymore? I'm sure that happened every day. I've, I've had a lot of those, right, to yeah. be fair, between opening up Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Libya, Syria. Uh, I think probably the... I've had, I've had a few sort of, you know, near, no, I won't say near misses, but I mean, certainly after the liberation in Iraq, you know, we were driving down the down the highway with the, uh, you know, in armoured vehicles and staying in, you know, in, in hotels that were armoured. I think I remember going to Libya and, and, and I think the hotel got stormed about five days after we left, you know, sort of thing. And uh, oh, it's just... Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, you know, you reflect back and you think, you know, maybe you're a little bit too gung ho. But uh, one, probably one of the funniest ones, I think, to be fair, I went to Afghanistan again straight after liberation, and uh, there's there was a, um, I think he was actually an Australian gentleman, decided to open up a pizzeria in downtown Kabul, and his generator was struggling to to literally to to drive the sort of you know the all, all, all the lighting in the, in this this. Um, Restaurant, so I'm sat there in, in in Kabul, which had obviously been in the CNN and all these other fantastic <laughs> news yeah. networks, having a pizza in downtown Kabul, and the generator always sort of cutting out halfway through it. So pizza sort of came along a bit floppy and a bit sort of you know, uncooked and all the rest of it. To be fair, not so quite Naples. not quite Naples at all, no. you know. So <laughs> yeah, uh, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of stories, and I'm fortunate because because the company's given me a, a great opportunity to, to sort of meet and go and travel to these great places. To be fair, well, so. I mean. I, I, I want to touch on the people, and I think that seems to be the thing that keeps on coming out all the time. And 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 you know the entrepreneur part, and you know the the famous story from Kuwait, the last flight out, oh, yes. first flight back in, and it sort of typifies the company. Um, and then and then also coming back to Dubai, how regularly you are voted number one employer in the country, which is which is which is a great award. If you can, and you probably can't answer this, but if you can bottle it, what, what, it, how does the culture develop the way it does within DHL? It's um, it's 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 a good question. So uh, let me try and answer the first bit first. So the, uh, so I mentioned that gentleman Phil Phil Kuchman, who's sort of a ex Vietnam vet, actually, to be honest with you, and and and, and a great guy. And Phil's sort of a bit gung ho in many ways. So there was a lot of, in fact, a lot of the global senior management have all emanated and come from the Middle East. So they've always had this sort of you know, great, great spirit. And uh, and as, as the ops guy, I sort of cottoned onto it quite quickly, you know, in terms of this, you know, first in, last out. And, and here we have had lots of countries that are either opened or closed because one reason or another, political, civil unrest, uh, or, or, or sometimes just, just economic, you know, uh, um, problems that one country or another has had. So we, we you know, we've had to doubt Quite quickly, so Kuwait was a you know was a classic. You've mentioned in terms of the the uh, the first uh, Gulf War and then the second one and then, and then 
and others as well. So I, I was I really bottled that up and made it our mantra. So in, in terms of really carrying that out, so demanding that we put the first flight in, and because we've got an airline, we're able to sort of do that and get the people on the ground. So, but you know, without taking undue risk, because that's that's also you know there, there is a lot of risk attached to it, whether it's a plane or whether it's a person, and, and or you know, and we want to protect everybody. So you've got to do it in a balanced way. But at least you're able to do it if you've got the asset to do it. Let's put it that way. So and that's and that's really stood us in good stand, and, and that's what allowed us to sort of grow and develop a lot of activity in a lot of these countries. Now, to get on to the people, I think I go back and I've been with DHL sort of, as I said, 29 years. There was an element of different characters that came into the business in a certain way uh, and, you know, were very much, yes, it was a, it was a, it was a big brand. It was very, very, um, again, growing uh, and, and took on a certain, maybe uh, the, the characters that came in were big characters. Um, and sometimes their characters are, were, were, were bigger, or they thought they were bigger than the company, you know. I think what's developed is, and I think really down to, um, uh, we, had a, we, had a, we had a CEO called Ken Allen, and uh, in 2009, he took the company really by the scruff of the neck. Um, he developed a blueprint for, for, for training, for induction, and for how we should behave. Um, and I've got to tell you, you know, I, I know there was an economic... Uh, but was that, was that different to... Historic entrepreneur sort of. He bottled up the old entrepreneurial spirit, okay. but what okay. he demanded was a certain behaviour and ethic, or mm. customer centricity, if I can sure, put it sure, that way. Sure, sure, and all of a sudden, I, I've got to be honest with you. And look, I've been mm. I've been with a number of companies a different yeah. way. Things like you know, um, empire building, politics. Uh, it just went out the window because your your total focus. And this sounds corny, actually. I do. I don't mean it to be corny. I don't. I want it to be that. The customer centricity yeah. is the one thing that unites you mm. in terms, or, or should I say, and then or, or looking after your people. Mm. If if you look after your people, they look after your service. Yeah. And that's really what DHL is predominantly all about, yeah. right? To be honest with you. Now it sounds corny, but then you know when you see it, then when we win, you know, great places to work or top yeah. employer in so many countries. It's really because honest that we we're not interested in empire, but we're not interested mm. in we're interested about serving the customer and motivating our people. Exactly. If we do that, then hopefully the customer will, will, will buy into what yeah. the service that we're offering, and that's, that's pretty much it, really. To be fair, so yeah, we've had a we've had a culture shift in the sense of how we act. I think mm. to be fair. Uh, and we've really done a lot of great things for our people as well. I think yeah. that's, um, that's, that's it. I can't say any more now. I could talk about DHL all the time, right? In a culture. I, I, well, actually, I, I mean, I, I see it. I see it a bit like a sports team after the match. You know, when you hang around together in the club rooms afterwards, against those, those sports teams that just disappear. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think that's, yeah. good, that's a good way to put it. Um, because I mean, you look at you look at the old boys yeah. who have now left the company. It's still a very tight knit group, isn't it? They are. Um, well, one of them, James, <laughs> which is always a pleasure to see you. To be fair, but yeah, I think I can count probably just not just in the, just in the UAE, but um, yeah. there's you know, probably you know, thirty or forty co- ex colleagues and who are actually my colleagues are my friends or my ex colleagues mm. are a lot of my friends because I mm. actually you know and that's not a, that can be with one or two, but not, yeah. not you know we can talk about you know, maybe thirty or forty people is mm. a lot. Yeah, they they're still here. Their relationship with DHL is strong. Mm. Our relationship with them is strong in, in different yeah. ways. You know, customers and suppliers, whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's transcended time and it's uh, it's great. It's actually great to answer. And the connection between DHL and obviously the Middle East is close and very strong from a, from a local level as well. Yeah, we've been here what uh, forty six years. So since seventy six, right? So uh, we were the first ones here. Um, we used to have a monopoly in Saudis, you know, don't know up until ninety two. 
Um, and um, you know, we first set foot in Bahrain um, and then expanded from there onwards. Bahrain was our, our epicenter, continues to be actually our hub. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, our countries went from sort of, you know, from six to nine to 12 to, to, to 19, so yeah. our Middle East. And um, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's been, a, just been an incredible journey and just incredibly proud, I think, of what, we, what, we, what we've done and the people and what they've been able to do locally. So if you empower them, they do, they, they basically do, you know. This local meets global and global, yeah. uh, act global, think local, it really works well with us here, to be fair. This is a great place where you can, you can actually do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and during COVID, you, against a lot of other industries, accelerated. Correct. Or how was COVID affecting you? I think. Um, so I think um, it's a good one to, to ask. Actually, to be fair, so uh, come Jan- January, you started seeing like January twenty twenty. You yeah. started seeing the the advent, obviously, of the uh, epidemic hit in in China. Yeah. So yeah. all of a sudden, you know, China falls off the end of a cliff because it closes, and then you had the Chinese New Year. I remember, and all the factories were closed actually in China, and they were in the middle of this you know pandemic as it was then. So. There was a lot of the PPE going to China was the was the main manufacturer of it all, but it was closed. Yeah. So everyone was sending PPE to support and help China. So all of a sudden, the the, the trade shift was all from west to east. Mm. Most of it sort of east to west, but this time it was going west to east. Then China opened after the after New Year and it got hold of the pandemic. And and what you found was that come late March April. They started then manufacturing for the rest of the world with a lot of PPE. So you get a shift then from, you know, going from east to west. So that was, um, but, but but China was still slow going. And then April, I seem to remember, then, you know, there was a, again, you know, you go back to a great employer. And I remember our CEO back in April when, when things were looking a bit gloomy last year. And he said, don't worry, we will not touch one person. We will we will ride this through. And that's a great statement to make for people, yeah. to be honest with you. Peace yeah. of mind. Peace of mind. Mm. And then from May onwards, as people were sort of locked indoors, um, yeah. you know, or, uh, or, or had... I would say also industries were ordering on, decided to order online as well, and do, you know their, their, their supply chains. Then you know this e-commerce boom sort of took place, and yeah. um, that really sort of you know fueled a lot of growth. I think I remember right in and around E last year onwards, and from then onwards really all the way through. Then the B two B started coming back from about September October in, in its different sort of slow waves as it opened up. So it's yeah, it's been it's been a, a, a very unusual journey, but it's been actually um, it's sort of tested us. And uh, and I've got to be honest, with you, we stress tested a lot, and we've mm. done. I, I think we've I think we've, we've done pretty well at that point. Yeah. But you would you would be back to one hundred percent of pre COVID now. In what in what way? In, sorry, in, in terms volumes, of volumes, people on the ground. Uh, people we've uh, we've we've employed. I mean, the Middle East has gone up almost. Um, I think we were five thousand, two or three hundred. We're up to yeah. six thousand people. We've actually grown during COVID. During COVID, we've grown so significantly. Actually, to be mm-hmm. fair, uh, we've seen some of our countries uh, literally, uh, in terms of the volumes, uh, close on uh, close on double some of them. To be sure. so in terms of volume inbound that's coming into those, um, so we've had to adapt and you know, deal with it. A lot of commercial airlines no longer exist so we forced yeah. a lot more on our own aircraft um, and, um, and and re, re, reconfigured our network mm. to deal with these trade flows because they've been you know, quite quite unusual and they're changing very frequently honestly the, the change is, uh, is literally from month to month so you're yeah. putting a plane going from east to west and all of a sudden you need to flow it from going north to south mm. it, it's, it's a configuration change you're going to find another yeah. another asset to fly it so it's been yeah it's been a bit of a challenge but it's um, it's uh, it's I mean, 
Yeah, I think we're, we've been there to Different serve group. industry. We've been there mm. to serve individuals. In some cases, it's medicine. I, mean, I remember a lot of you know, personal people asking me, kind of help them with you know, people stuck in other countries and they needed you know, special medicines to, mm. for sons and daughters and what have you, or a passport for visas. Yeah. And so we've actually added, I think, acted in a humanitarian way as well yeah. as just uh, e-commerce or, uh, or business to business. Was there any surprises through this whole thing that you just didn't expect and see? I think the, the probably a couple, yeah, there's a couple of things. I think to be fair, how people have adapted um, yeah. to working from home, yeah. um, or and I have to say also the speed at which uh, the IT, not just our IT department, but I think a, a lot of IT departments around the world or whoever mm. it is that's responsible for setting up technology at home. And and, and you know, I, I, if you think about you know, whether it's a bank or yeah. it's an, any you know mm. or an airline or whoever it is, whatever institution, all of a sudden you've got to set up somebody working, not one person who is one senior manager. You know, we've we've got uh, three, four hundred CS staff. All of a sudden, they're working from home. Right. You know, they're working on a VPN or some yeah. sort of line or something. You've got to set that up somehow. So I just think it's just been immensely, um, uh, you know, from a, from a distance, watching how easily this stuff was set up quite quickly. Right. And then, and then the people who you know are basically have adapted to this new way of working. Right? I think there might be a challenge to sort of bring it back. But anyway, that's, that's, a, that's a different argument. Well, I think that is. The, I think that is the case. Is that there's a lot of industries that aren't going back. They're, they're realizing they can be doing it from there, and I, and, I, and 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 I think the other thing which probably affects both of us is is how business travel will be in the future, and yeah. whether or not we will go back to to where that is. So uh, I think the next few months will certainly uh, will certainly be interesting on that goes. I think there's a lot of pent up yeah. frustration. People want to move. They want to see yeah. family first and foremost. I think some people need a break from you know from the environment they're in and a change of scenery or you know go back yeah. to the roots, whatever. It, or you know, or go on a holiday, whatever, it, whatever it may be. So I think there is a, a, a genuine desire to travel. I think what you find the business travel itself, you know. It'll pick up for sure. It'll definitely pick up. But will it pick up to the same levels? I, I, I don't know because there'll also be a resistance maybe to not travel as easily for business as you used to do before. That's all. You know, the drop of a hat. I've got to go to, to Munich for a business meeting. I've got to yeah. go to here for whatever. And, and you're spending a day or two out, hotel and all the rest. I, 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 that side of it, I think, yeah. will be slower to come back. But certainly personal travel, I, I certainly think I see a lot, a lot of that coming back. Yeah, no. Well, it, it'll be interesting. I, th- I think um, this first summer will be will be the first thing on holidays and different things we're going. Um, going back to the people again, we talked briefly before we started, um, just on how people have made to buy their home, and and uh, we've obviously got people from all stretches of the, of the world, and then going through. Is there any particular identities or people you can think of that have started off here? in maybe driver, courier sort of perspectives and, and have gone through in the company and, and grown? Uh, yeah, um, uh, that's quite, quite, a, quite a few actually, to be fair. I mean, um, there's, so many, there's, there's so many different examples, right? We had Zolfi and Ria, didn't we? Zolfi, yeah, sadly yeah. passed, passed away passed recently, away. but um, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's people made within, you know, John was a classic example, our CEO, so John, yeah. John was a country manager in the UAE, he's now mm. the global CEO, yeah. you know, and is that a remarkable sort of career? Uh, he's one I can I, I can think of. Um, oh, we've got that's internally, uh, mm. externally. You know, we take our, our good friend Steve Main, who mm. runs Creative Zone. Correct. And, uh, you know, he was uh, he was the ops manager in Oman mm. for us, and uh, he decided to take a different career path, and uh, he's, he runs a successful business of his own here within the 
within within the UAE, which is um, you know fantastic to see, to be honest with you. So that's just two, but it's, um, there's a lot of identities. There's, there's, that, there's, a, there's a lot that there. Go um, but even internally, there's yeah. I've seen some people who have grown and moved, you know, internationally. Mm. And, and done fantastically well, to be honest yeah. with you, within the company or, or maybe even external, some point, you know, externally, but they've mm. taken their trade or their skills that they've learned within DHL and, and, and you know, applied those successfully. And, yeah. um, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's indeed a special company. Um, Technology-wise, um, things are going in at another fast rate. How do, you see, how do you see the market changing, bringing technology into it for what you've seen when, since you, in your uh, time? case <laughs> I think you know maybe from moving a package in the back of a van and uh, you know I, actually funny enough you, you, know, you talk about people so if you take a courier uh, who started I think it used to drive before many years ago you used to have to drive and and and, and that was it right so today they've got to they've got to drive they've got to be customer centric they've got to be able to uh, manage in a smartphone they've got to be able to manage cash uh, you know, or, or payment yeah. modes if right. you want to put it they've got to manage a scanner yeah. um, they've got to be able to <laughs> deal with you know whether it's Google Maps or, or, or some sort of route uh, planning uh, yeah. optimization um, so it, it, you know and, and a lot of that comes from, from, from technology that's driving a lot of the, the systems or the analysis that you do in the way in which you implement it so I've seen it in all in all different guises I mean you know uh, people now today I think certainly in our industry but it's also I think in true of any sort of service industry the information is almost as important as the product right, right? so you know you want to make a booking online you, you, you want to know that it's been booked you want to know your payment's gone through you want to you know, you know with us it's the, the real-time tracking mm. when's your package been picked up you know right. what was you and uh, and that's just one small uh, part of the evolution you know and um, yeah now now you know data's driving uh, the data IT IT systems are driving Pretty much a lot of a lot of the behaviours, the expectations, and um, and and, and the development. I, I think I was going to. Um, I was mentioning, you know, if you go back about a, a year and a half ago, I mean, I certainly didn't know what Teams was, and I certainly didn't know what Zoom was, with all mm. due respect. And, you know, once once had to all of a sudden, it's sort of a a, a, a daily sort of throwaway, you know, uh, comment in, in everyone's everyday life. To be honest with you, I mean, I've had a, who hasn't had some sort of you know Zoom call with their family somewhere down the line. Yeah. Or I did a quiz on on Zoom. You know, oh my God, I, I've, I've become more techie than I've ever. Uh, and I've, you know, so I think the whole world is has uh, been driven by da- in by the um, uh, by technology, and it's at a fast pace. Well, it's, it's definitely accelerated, and I take our, our house as an example. You know, pre-COVID, two or three shipments a, a week, maybe coming to our house of different nature. Now it's three to four a day of different food orders of different things it, it definitely has how how is it we're, we're increasing at such a level and it's not just the, it's not not the courier companies anymore it's everybody i mean where are we going what, what are we what are we going to look like in five years time with this <laughs> i mean I, I think some of the online schooling uh, is here to stay i'm not saying all of it because i think you need you know you need development to, to be into you know human beings i think are in, you need to interact with one another so i i think that 
but there will be an element of studying um, that will that will remain uh, yeah. for sure. I think the online e-commerce now. At a touch, I mean, you know, likes of some of the e-commerce companies have made it so easy that, again, even you know, even uh, an older generation person can click a button and buy something online, yeah. and that's not going to go away. I mean, my, I've got my, my mum's 80, yeah. 80 years of age, and, and I've got her zooming, and I've got her basically clicking a button to to buy something, you know, on on Amazon or eBay or whatever it is she wants to buy. So I, I don't think that's going to go away. Um, I, I, you know, but there'll be some aspects that will return to normal. Like I said, some aspects of, you know, uh, traveling or some aspects of buying. I, I, Returning to the grocery store. Yeah, I, I, because, you know, you know, I, I think uh, the, the analogy, analogy I like, like to think of, when, 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 when the, um, who remembers, you know, the VHS recorder first came out or the uh, mm. Video 2000, I think it was, if I remember rightly, it said it would kill the cinema. And in fact, what it did is actually fueled people to go to the cinema as much as buying the, the video as, uh, or a DVD, you know, and uh, and today people, sorry, today or certainly mm. pre-COVID, people were going to cinema as much as they were buying DVDs yeah. or, you know, signing up to Netflix and what have you and I, and, I, and I think that that will remain so people wanting to go to so whilst bricks and mortar perhaps is not the fashion item of today mm. I think it'll come back I actually do right. I, I personally think to a certain degree mm. in fact if you look at it I think some of the um, from what I've seen a lot of the bricks and mortar uh uh, companies have been bought out by e-commerce uh, sure. companies, you know, to be yeah. fair, to actually add stimulus to, yeah. to that whole experience. So, you know, so people want to make, so a lot of people want to go in and see the item sure. and then buy it and, you know, whatever it is. So I, I think there'll be, it, it'll find its natural balance. I think okay. that's what it is. But there was the online, the online, whether it's purchasing e-commerce activity, um, will continue, in, continue uh, and, it, and it's grown exponentially. So there'll be just patterns of, uh, be patterns. of people wanting to see physical. But, but, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 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 I don't, people want to know more. I'm not a shopper myself personally, but I mean, you know, my, no. my wife does enough of that yeah. for me, to be honest with you. It drives me, so, excuse me, it drives me, you know, she spends all the money. So uh, yeah. so she definitely likes going into shops. Anyway, there you go. So there's there's one there's one happy camper. Well, that's a, that's a good segue to uh, <laughs> Debbie and the kids. Yeah. So, um, you know, a big part of what we do at the captain's table is is talking about Dubai. You've obviously been here a long period of time. Tell me why you brought up three kids here. Tell me a little bit about why you particularly love this place. Oh, where do I start? It's you know what a great just a just a great environment. Like I said, not only just the UAE but the Middle East overall, right? Sure. So it's multicultural. It's um, you know the sun shines. People generally have a feel good factor because the sun shines. Uh, it's a respectful place. There's great you know there's laws with a great community feel about it. It's grown. It's become from a town to a city. So it's you know maybe some people feel certainly the old old generation will feel that they're, they're missing something. But you know it's uh, I, I think I said this uh, earlier on. I mean you know there's a you have a great it's a great way of life actually to be honest with you yeah. you work hard you play hard in in some ways i think that's that's what maybe can be a cliche um and um and uh, yeah, I'll give, I, let me i don't want to let's just say some places in europe you know sort of a, a work also analogy here is you 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 go into you go into work and it's raining and in, in europe for example where i've worked quite extensively and uh, and and before it was raining, it was miserable, it was dark, people sort of wear dark clothing and you know and the mood is sombre. 
same sort of, you know, you go into work in the morning and maybe do a bit of a briefing with the guys and you know, give you a round of applause or they buy into it a bit quicker. Mm. Maybe because, you know, they've got to roll out of bed and they, they roll, or they do roll out of bed, but they roll out of bed with a bit more of a smile on their face, a bit more of a skip, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. a hop, skip and a jump on there in, in, uh, in, in, you know, of coming to work, that it doesn't seem more as a chore, so to speak. Yeah. Um, or the family like it. The, you know, exactly. It's it's great. I mean, and the learning, the learning for the schooling is is superb here. Yeah. Doesn't matter what school, whether you like mm. it or you don't like it. But so all of that aspect, I think, is just 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 great to be yeah, there. Exactly. So uh, yeah, my, my, my children, three children, grew up here, mm. um, went to school here, and um, and uh, and I think they had a great sort of outdoorsy life. I think, to be honest with you, because the weather afforded them that to do that. And then I went to university and. You know, in the UK, and um, and two daughters are still in London, so obviously like the rain. Um, and one one's out here, so yeah. one one yeah. So that's uh, there you go. My wife actually does miss home sometimes, but uh, you know, uh, I, but I I do a lot of sport here as well, James. Sure. So um, I've I, heard I, about, I, you. I, I've I, heard about I, your football. Yeah. I play a lot of football, do a bit of golf with a few old yeah. guys. Um, just taking up paddle tennis. Which I quite enjoy. So, uh, you, have so a bit, you have a bit of a golfing team. What, what, are, what are those guys called that you were? Uh, the Dubai Old Golf Society. Right, just, okay. a, just a bunch of old scratch golfers. Well, they 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 lie. <laughs> I don't know what they do. They lie on their handicap. Yeah. That's all I can say, James. So uh, you know, some some lie to their own benefit. Indeed, I'm so, sure maybe... And you know them all as well, so... Uh, they know yeah. a couple of them, and a couple of them might listen to this, so uh, <laughs> shout out to these guys. But um, thanks, Becky, no for coming on the captain's table today. It was a great chat, and uh, you've obviously shown how much you love this place, like thank all you. of us, and how it's a big part of your life, so... No, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to see you again, and a uh, uh, pleasure to, um, to, to, to be, um, uh, be invited on your show, so thank you. Thank you, Becky.